Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. Hello, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I am so good. I'm so excited to have you on. I know we did do a TikTok live, but I'm excited to do the full vibe interview. I think it's a little different audience too. So I'm very excited about it. Me too. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and say hello and introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Kay Cove. I am a contemporary romance author. I have been published now for almost going on a year. So my debut novel came out last year in June, Paint Me Perfect. And it was the start of my Love Me and the 303 series, book four just released. So we've we've made some progress. We'll start with our token four questions and then we'll kind of dive into everything you have coming out. We'll talk a little bit about Love Me and the 303 series and all of that. So the first question is, what is your favorite standalone? My favorite standalone, it's such a lame answer. I I really don't know if I have one. I am truly a mood reader. I have read everything from like fantasy. I'm talking about like fantasy, no romance all the way to like the the darker romances. So I I don't know that I have a true favorite standalone. I think the last standalone I read just for like fun, just a light fluffy read was Sarah Adams, The Cheat Sheet. I thought that was adorable. I had a good time with that one. And then right now I'm, I'm a, I think you're about to ask this next, but I'm a series person. Okay. I've, I've started a lot of series. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I haven't read that one yet. I've seen it a lot and I feel like it's making a revival. Like I saw it when it first came out, but I've been seeing it a lot more recently. So I have a feeling it's coming back. <laughs> I I found it before it got really big. So it's been fun to see the progress. There's lots of different covers and such now, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun read. It's a light read. Yeah. I definitely need to check that one out. So yeah. The next question is what is your favorite series? Favorite series. Okay. So I do a lot of reading for my author friends. So I've started a couple now, uh, Nadia Han's Waterfire series, which is romantic suspense. So book one is The Mastermind. That's kind of like my leisure read. I feel terrible because I'm like, I, I want to sit down and actually read it for fun. But I've been working on that one. That's fun- fantastic. And then also another author friend of mine, Caitlin Taylor, she has the Alpha Elite series. That's a really good one too. Like spicy, angsty college romance. So that one's good. First one in that one is Loyalties We Break. So I'm super excited to f- continue on in that series. Gosh, those both watching. sound great. <laughs> yeah, they're great. <laughs> yeah, those are really good. It's it's nice to have like a nice variety too. Like if you love contemporary, it's like I, I love a little thriller thrown in there, a little, you know, little different genres, like different tropes and that kind of thing. So yeah. 100%. I, like I mean, yeah. I dabbled with Haunting Adeline too. And I'm like, oh, that was a whole different left field too. I mean, I'm just all <laughs> over the place, so. That one has been popping up a lot recently. I feel like I need to read it. I haven't read it yet. I'm not a big like dark romance girly. I don't mind it, but I just haven't. I'm not like a KU person. Like I don't have it. So I I don't like dive in every time there's something new that comes out. But a lot of people have been reading it lately. And I'm like, okay, maybe I need to know what is happening. (laughs) You gotta like switch your mindset, I think. I I think a lot of people are like, ooh, I read dark romance and I stay in dark romance. But Mm -hmm. I think hopping back and forth is kind of good for the shock factor yeah yeah (laughs) like (laughs) definitely read the triggers first because there's some stuff there's definitely yeah that's what I've heard (laughs) yeah yeah that's probably true like you you get less surprised the more you read and it comes becomes like predictable almost and I think the best part of dark romance is that it's dark (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah 
Okay. So next question is, who is your ultimate book boyfriend? Uh, am I allowed to say one of mine? Because I've been absolutely <laughs> to do so much marketing lately. I've been actually going through my books and I get that question all the time from the Elmi 303 series. Who's your book boy? And it, my answer has recently changed. Oh, nice. Um, I love that. Forever. It was, uh, it was the lead from uh, book two in my series. And now I'm like, oh man, Cody Cartland from Omi One. I'm like, he's making a <laughs> comeback. I oof. No, but I ultimate book boyfriend. I don't know. I fall in love with every book boyfriend I read. Totally I, fair. <laughs> it can definitely be one of yours because you created them. So I'm assuming you put like all the things you wanted in there. So exactly. That's um, a valid I love, choice. <laughs> I love a cinnamon roll book boyfriend though. Nice. You like I I like a tough guy who who's you know sweet. So yeah, I like yeah. that. That's yeah. my vibe as well. <laughs> <That's a jam. laughs> I'm like the nicer, the better. Okay. Yeah. I want a backbone, but I'd also like you to be very, very nice to me. Right. I want you to have a backbone, but choose when to use it. Okay. <laughs> and buy me gifts. Thank you. <laughs> 100%. That's what I need. Um, that's awesome. So who is your ultimate book girlfriend? Um, oh, again, so many. I, Oh man, that one really stumps me. I forgot about this question. Yeah, this was a really hard one, I think. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. That's lame. I'm going to just have to pick for my series again. Ugh. Go for it. I think it, we're going to talk about it later, but I think right now my ultimate girlfriend is Reese right now from Senior Secret. She's just nice. such a, she's a very different character than what, what I'm used to seeing in books and what I'm used to writing. And so she's, she still has my heart right now. I love that. She's your most recent too. So like you're really into it. You've only reread hers like 16 times instead of 75. So exactly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So I love proud. it. I love it. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started, what the writing process has been like for you and your journey? Yeah. So I have been writing fiction now for, I've just been in this industry now, I would say for about a year, a little, no, about almost two years because I started a draft of Paint Me Perfect, which was um, my debut, I want to say about a good eight months before it actually published. And that was a huge journey in itself. Now I'm able to start a manuscript and and take it to completion, a fully edited upload ready version much faster than eight months. But uh, yeah, I came from much more like a corporate kind of more professional. I guess, less creative, more professional background in my degrees in HR. So that's what I studied. And <laughs> it's a big shift to go into um, romance writing. But I just, I think I just kind of got burnt out and I found myself looking for an escape in books. I started like losing interest in TV and such. And I was like, I just, I really like romance books. I like reading them. I like being involved in this. Oh, hey, I, I, I am looking for a certain vibe. I'm looking for a certain book. I couldn't find it. So I just decided to play around and write it and thus started my series. And I've just been hooked ever since. There's so many amazing, just supportive people in this community um, between editors and, and readers and other authors. So it's easy to just get sucked in and stay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's basically how it got started. And then it's a lot of work that surprised me between writing the books and then marketing them. It's a lot of work. And I eventually decided, Hey, I want this to be my full-time job situation. So yeah, I've been full-time now for about a year. Yeah, okay. It's been quite the journey for you. Definitely. That's crazy. Yeah, big switch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard to like, you, you get in this mindset where you're like, okay, I went to school for this. I have to do it. And then you sort of find these like creative outlets. And then I feel like within the community though, like the writing community, author talk, book talk, the bookish interwebs in general, like everybody is so positive and 
so willing to support each other and like be there. And I think that just cultivates and like grows. And then you're like, I think I can do this. Like I watch everyone else do it. It makes me think like I can do it. And then everybody is just there to be like so nice, which I love. Yeah. And you know, the writing part was easy to dive into that the marketing, the social media marketing side Mm -hmm. was far more jarring. And I will say that is where I appreciate my HR background because I have learned to stay kind of away from the drama, just a little bit more diplomatic. And it's also uh, taught me how to talk to, talk to people and work with different types of people. And so that has prepared me pretty well. So I'm like, okay, we're not going to say HR was a total waste. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely learned enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. That's awesome. What made you decide to go the independent publishing route versus, you know, querying with a traditional publisher or anything like that? I just have zero patience for that. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I, I can be a bit of a workhorse. And when I get really into a project, I get a little bit, I guess, obsessive would be the best way to, to describe it, but it's just very passionate. And two, Mm -hmm. I don't like being held back because of factors that don't have to do anything with me. Like if my book can't be published because it's not an ideal time for a publisher, or if an agent hasn't had enough time to read my book, all fair and valid reasons. And I'm not, I'm not like knocking the traditional publishing industry at all, but for me, it's just, I like to work in the heat of the moment. I like to work like through the passion and and just roll with a project when it's ready. And I don't like to lose that momentum. So sitting on a manuscript for a couple of years was just not, that's not my jam. So totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice (laughs) to have, I think like the creative control too, with the covers and like being involved in, you know, every step of the process, if you're passionate about it, like being involved in that, it's nice to do it from like the independent side. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And, and also just within the creation of the stories too, I think there's a lot and I don't know, maybe another author would correct me, but I think there's a lot in editing on the traditional side that has more to do with what's best for the market versus what's best for your story. And that kind of spooked me a little bit yeah. because I've worked with editors who predominantly work with independently published authors. And then mm-hmm. I've worked with editors who are very much in the trad industry and their approach is different. So yeah. I was kind of able to sample each side and be like, ooh, okay, I- I'm more leaning towards building that creativity versus trying to fit it into a more structured box. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like, I think, you know, five, six years ago, everybody was like traditional published, traditional published. That was like all the books we read. If you were indie, they were like, Ooh, it's kind of iffy. And it's so (laughs) cool to like see the industry grow from the independent Mm -hmm. publishing side. And like, you know, indie authors that you guys are doing it yourself. And it's just so crazy, like how much has changed and how many more people there are in it that are yeah. like willing to help you guys and like, you know, push you along and do all that kind of stuff. And like these smaller okay. publishers that get to like pop up and help people. And I think it's so yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's awesome. So can you tell us spoiler free what Love Me in the 303 series is about? Yeah, so they are interconnected or interwoven standalones. They all can be read, you know, as their own novel, but it's essentially five different love stories, each from a group of best friends who went to college together in Denver and kind of stayed in that area. And it's just their, it's a little bit like new adult, but more just kind of adult romance. They're, they're in their mid to late thirties and it's just how they're navigating falling in love. There's lots of different tropes. I mean, I, people are like, Oh, what's your series? I'm like, it's just contemporary. We've got rock star, movie star. We've got, you know, sports romance. We've got is a little bit of romance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's a little everything. And I know I love that. I wish I had like a friend group that lived in the town that I lived in. 
And I know we've, we've talked about this in like the influencer squad and everybody says that, but it's like, I just love their friendship so much in this and that it's that they are a huge portion of it. And it's not just, you know, a hundred percent the romance. It's still like this very cultivated friendship that they try to keep alive. Oh my, definitely. And I know they're romance books, but I'm sitting here and like swooning over the best friends. I'm like, I want that. I wish, I wish my girls were close. Yeah. I want like Thursday date night. Like that sounds so fun with my girlfriends and like watching movies and eating pizza. That sounds great. Yeah. Yes. Just popping over to each other's houses. I haven't had that since, you know, college in the dorms. Yeah. (laughs) And I, the thing I love about it too, is that standalones, but they're all kind of interconnected. And I love when there's a series like that, that you can kind of pick it up at any point in time. But also if you read it in order, you're like, oh, these are kind of fun Easter eggs that you're getting from like the first couple and the second couple all the way up. So yeah, yeah I really loved that kind of yeah. play it was on a that. Risk too. Cause I, yeah. Yeah, I I told myself initially that it wasn't gonna be a situation where you could read them in whatever order, but then I just decided I'm hitting so many different tropes. I have to be mm-hmm. aware that there might be people who like, you know, books two and four and they don't like one and three or you yeah. know, just certain elements of it. So I wanted to be cognizant of that and give everyone an opportunity to participate in the series. Even if I'm writing about some stuff that they're like, Ooh, that's not for me, but you know, this one is so yeah. trying to tailor it to, to be a little something for everyone. Yeah. And I think that's getting more popular too, where it's these like longer winded series that are about all characters that are in anywhere in the series. So you can kind yeah. of pick it up at any time. And yeah. I think that like brings it together really well. And I love that idea. It's like, yeah, kind of fun. Like you don't have to commit to like a nine book series, but like you could, if you wanted to. I used to think I wrote a long series. I was like five books. Why did I do that? And then people were like, <laughs> Oh, five, you have a small series. I'm on book 14. I'm like, Oh, that okay. a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is intense. So glad to know you were in it for the long haul. All of you people. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of like romance authors that just like keep going forever and ever until the end of time. So yeah, five is, five is a great amount. (laughs) If you have a, if you have good world building and you have good Mm -hmm. characters, you know, why not? Why not? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) That is many. (laughs) Like five is plenty for me though. Five is a great amount. I'm very, very happy with that. I will say. I'm still considering all these suggestions I'm getting for a surprise book six, where it's essentially just a giant why choose of all of the books oh my gosh you do like a big reunion type of situation (laughs) yeah i was like so you guys want all of these couples to break up and then do a why choose with one new character i can't you guys (laughs) that would be amazing or you could just have them all like move into a mansion together and it's just like a poly situation right like (laughs) you know it's got to keep an open mind (laughs) yeah absolutely i love that um okay so who was your favorite female character to write in this series um, there, I, and they all were for different reasons, but I will say, I think the one that stands out most to me still as I, as I sit back on it is probably Quinn in book three. I think book three was the only book that as I was writing, I cried several different times. It's probably the most emotional one. It's my mm-hmm. slow burn. There's a lot of he- heavy elements in it, but Quinn was such a complex character because, um, I actually had, it was really cool. I had a couple of readers who, we're doing like a situation where they take a book, they highlight it, they pass it on to a friend, yeah. like a traveling book situation. So they went back and reread it and they were like, oh man, I caught up. I caught all of these little things. The second time I read Omi one of all these little like mentions and quirks with Quinn, she was not the character I originally thought she was. Um, I go back and I read it and I see how like, cause she kind of comes off as like ice queen mm-hmm. boss lady. And then the second time you read it and you just see a lot of like trauma and grief and pain and how like actually sensitive and insecure she is. And 
I wrote her to be layered. And that was, that was difficult. That still has stuck with me. I still love her character. So I'd say she resonates the most right now. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I think it's really fun to kind of have that character in there who's so different from you, but you got to create them and they're really complex and it's like so multifaceted and it's nice when people are like, I don't necessarily relate to her, but I definitely appreciate her and I like see what she can be type of thing. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, So in contrast to that, who's your favorite male character to write? Oh man. (laughs) Oh, tough. I, I would have to say right now you could ask me next week and it'll change but (laughs) I have such appreciation right now for Joel and rewrite the rules just his just his wit he's just he and Adler are just very they're they're banter heavy and Mm -hmm. I like that she's quick-witted and it kind of encourages that side out of him like he's just he's he's a sassy dude and I like it yeah I like that too. I definitely enjoyed their relationship and the way that they kind of like brought the best and worst out in each other. (laughs) Yeah. They're angsty. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That, that is a great way to describe that angsty. (laughs) Okay. So if you could be best friends with one of the characters, who would it be? Guy, girl, side character, any of them? Uh, The tough questions. I... I don't know probably all of them but I I would probably have to say like if I wanted to just hang and laugh and have a fun time like Cody would probably be my go-to guy best friend he's okay. he's just yeah he's a guy who's going to make you laugh be a good sport good emotional support person so yeah, yeah. absolutely uh I would definitely pick I don't remember his name because I never remember names but the driver from the first one oh Jay yes <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> he was so funny and like sassy. And I just love that he like loves to push everybody's buttons and yeah. was like flirty and funny. And I think he would be re- really, really fun to hang out with. <laughs> oh, yes. Jay is amazing. He will be making an appearance in book five. Okay. I'm very excited yeah. about that. I tabbed <laughs> all of Painting Perfect and there was like almost all the tabs were like his lines because I thought he was so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, the entire, most of the cast is coming back for book five because it is pre- it predominantly takes place in LA. And so okay. we're going to see Cece and Mark and yeah. Jay. So yeah. Oh, I love that. So if you could pick any character, is there a character you wouldn't be friends with? Um... I don't know. I would, I would say, I mean, definitely in book five, I think we've talked about this before, but book five, I normally try to write my characters. So they're all redeemed in the end book five in the series is going to be the first time where we're going to see some villains that stay villains um, where there's not going to, it's not going to be wrapped up in a pretty bow. So I'll just say there, there's a couple characters in there that I would like to never have to (laughs) like I'm writing them but yet I hate them (laughs) yeah and that's good it's good that you can incite that kind of emotion out of yourself (laughs) yeah yeah as you make them yeah I love it okay I will have to keep an eye out (laughs) okay (laughs) so I know we kind of talked about this a little bit already but what kind of tropes can we expect in each of these books yeah um so paint me perfect book one we've got I would say the main one is fake dating um single parent is a big one and then we have a little bit soulmates it's it's a sprinkle of insta love I would more call it insta attraction but there's like a little bit of insta love in there and there's a surprise trope in there which I'm I'm not sure if it's a surprise anymore, but (laughs) how many times do I need to say surprise before that's obvious (laughs) there's a surprise trope in there and then for book two we've got 
friends with benefits. It's a boss assistant romance and virgin romance. Book three, we have marriage of convenience. Yeah. It's also a sports romance. I think I think those are the two big, big ones. I think yeah. I think that one has been categorized as readers as my slow burn. And then book four is a rock star romance. Oh, I forgot to mention in book one also, it's a celebrity romance. But <laughs> book four is rock star romance. It's about an R&B singer. And then we've got uh, no third act breakup, which is like. I love that. <laughs> I so love we've got that. No third act breakup. And then we've got a little bit of a love triangle. And I've been, I've been seeing readers say it's love triangle ish love triangle yeah. so not your typical love triangle but there is some elements of past and current love that overlap so nice I love yeah. that yeah I've been complaining lately I was like I can't find a book that doesn't have a third act breakup and then I found like six in a row and I was like this will do <laughs> authors are listening authors are listening yeah I, mean, I like personally I love a good third act breakup as long as as long as it's built into the plot like if I feel like a third act breakup was an afterthought just mm-hmm. to make the book go from 70,000 words to 90,000 words. I'm like, yeah. uh, <laughs> that was if unnecessary. Re- yeah. If it's resolved in like a chapter, I'm okay. If it's resolved in a page, I'm less okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I always ask myself in my books, cause my first three, they all have very purposeful um, moments of separation mm-hmm. and like all my books end in HEA. But I asked myself if I plucked that plot out of the story, would the story fall flat? And if if the case is they did not have to break up in order to have big realizations and or in order to change their lives, then don't put it in there. So yeah, that's my that rule. Is, yeah, that's a great method. I love that. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of times where it's like fine and it makes sense. And like you're saying, the plot doesn't fall or does fall flat if it's not in there and that kind of thing. And like, it makes sense to have it. But I think sometimes they're resolved so quickly. And then when you read a lot of romance, like back to back to back, you're like, okay, I get it. They they fall in love, they break up, they get back together. Awesome. (laughs) You know, and like, I want a little bit of variety in there. And I also love the like mundane. And that's like one of the things that I love about Paint Me Perfect is like, and I think this is a lot with contemporary romance in general, but like, I love that there's so many moments of her just like at home taking care of her kid and like trying to find a job and going to work when she does and like painting and all those sorts of things that like, and the same in, you know, rewrite the rules. Like she's just at work interacting with her boss. And it's a lot Mm -hmm. of that, like sort of those things that are just happening. That's not like always big moments. And I think that that I really, really like reading about that versus it always being like, they're having a bonfire. They're going to this, they're doing that. They're going to an event. Like it doesn't always have to be that it has to be like, it has to have a little mundane in it, you know? Right. Well, and and to be relatable because otherwise it's just, it's almost unbelievable. I think sometimes too many events or big moments or things that are Mm. out of the ordinary kind of pull you away from the story. And I'm like, if you have good characters and they have good chemistry, the scenes can carry themselves. So yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. I love that. And I'm like, I need more mundane. Like I'd love to read about people and just sitting at home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Eating popcorn, having a great time. Like I'm fine with that. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. So what was the hardest scene for you to write or the hardest type of scene for you to write? Okay. So definitely in this series, the scenes with all the girls, (laughs) that's hard. It's hard to have a scene where there's five different characters and you have to be consistent with five different personalities. And I definitely try to get away with it by like only like someone's out of town or someone's busy or someone's homesick and I get called out for it <laughs> like I really wish I could have seen all of the girls together more and I'm like oh me okay, too <laughs> no like it's no, you're like I'd like to do that it's just too hard 
It is hard. It's getting easier now that we're towards the end because their characteristics are so set in stone. But I would say those are just the most difficult because you don't, and a lot of it comes from dialogue tags too, because when you have five different people in a room, you can't just be, you, you can't leave them off. You have to know who's talking and to who. And sometimes as a writer, I get a little bit worried that that gets a little bit overkill, like monotonous, like so-and-so said, so-and-so said. So I don't love that aspect of it, but technique wise, those are the hardest scenes to write. Other than that, I know, I know a lot of authors are like, oh, the spicy scenes are hard to write. No, (laughs) usually breeze through. (laughs) You're like this. I I have a lot of ideas. (laughs) Exactly. No, I just, I, I feel like I, that's the first thing I think about when I'm like spending time thinking about a, maybe that's weird to say, but I do think about their chemistry in the bedroom and it kind mm-hmm. of tells me what kind of characters they're going to be and how they're going to interact with each other. Yeah. I know a lot of people do that differently. Like, Hey, emotionally, what kind of characters are they? But you know, maybe I just reverse that a little bit and it just works for me. Not first. <laughs> Not first. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Character later, honestly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. And I think, I mean, it's a romance. So there, that's the point. It's supposed to have the romance. So if you're good at that, you're comfortable with that, that flows better. I think you can definitely feel that, you know, when you write those scenes, like it feels yeah, very true to their character. And that's the reason for it. Right, right, right. As long yeah. as there's consistency in how they act and then how they act, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the dialogue ones, I think too, sometimes are hard as like readers for you to grasp the concept. So I definitely could see how you struggle with that the tough thing about being a quote unquote good writer and I hate to use that term because what does good writer even mean I have seen stories that needed serious editing but they were phenomenal because the story was great and I've seen stories that the the punctuation the formatting it's great but the book didn't really move me so I I hate that term good writer bad writer I just I don't that's a gray area but a lot of the things that were taught as writers when you talk about like skill and technique if we do it right, you never notice and you never appreciate it as a reader. If we do yeah. it wrong, it will just ruin your reading experience. So That's a lot funny. of what we're doing when we're writing is trying to stay under the radar and not pull you out of the story, Yeah, <laughs> which actually takes work to do. <laughs> yeah. That's like a very honed skill, right? Yeah. Down your resume. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank goodness for good editors. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. So in contrast to that, what is your favorite type of scenes to write? Is it the smut scenes? <laughs> I wouldn't say they're my favorite scenes, actually, since we were talking about it. Um, I I do like writing breakup scenes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, it makes me like such a villain, but I think that's when a that is the time I think where I can play off of the inner dialogue versus what they actually say. Because when you love someone and you're about to break up or you're having a fight, you're careful about you either have word vomit and everything comes out and you're like, oh no. Or you're very tactful and what's going on in your head is being filtered. So I really like writing inner dialogue. I really like getting into a character's head and comparing what they say versus what they think. So those scenes tend to flow for me. Yeah, I like that. It's probably really cathartic too to just be like, I hate your guts. You're the worst. And like type that all out. And like, you never did what you said you were going to do. Like, that's probably really fun to write out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if you're not having, well, thank goodness if you're not having those in real life all the time, it's a way yeah, to like, yeah. outlet. It's an outlet. <laughs> I think my only angsty breakup is probably in rewrite. The, the mm-hmm. you know, with Paint Me and with Omi one, it's like m- more just sad. And I, I look yeah. back and I'm like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> circumstance type of thing like that's Mm -hmm. why yeah yeah totally fair 
Yeah, that's good. It doesn't make you the villain. I think it's cathartic to be able to like put those out there in the world and like create the perfect breakup. I think it's lovely. Yeah, <laughs> the craft, the perfect breakup. As long as, yeah, as, long as you give up the HEA in the end, it's so much more satisfying when they overcome. <laughs> yes, when there's like tears and then we're happy, like that'll do. <laughs> yeah. We like to go through a range of emotions for sure. (laughs) Okay. So where did you draw your inspiration for these characters? I mean, little bits and pieces. I, I get, I don't really like to base characters off of just specifically one person. I'm more, they're more based off of emotions or, or circumstances in my life. Cause I, I don't know. I feel a little bit stalkerish if I'm like, oh yeah, this person is totally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, let me study you. What do you say? What do you think? But yeah, I think my inspiration just comes from, I will tell you when I'm, whenever I am writing like a boss lady, so whether, so Reese's mom in book four, or even Quinn, I, one of the characters I always think about, because I'm obsessed with Shonda Rhimes, is um, Olivia Pope. Believe Hmm. me, there's like an Olivia Pope essence in at least most of my books, because she's phenomenal from Scandal. So like, I, I draw sometimes inspiration from just movies or just feelings I get or just like a presence and usually I start with the characters and then I think about the actual plot so yeah I like that that's really cool too to think that like you create the idea of who you want these people to be and then kind of build the world around them and I think that makes romance feel really genuine yeah yeah because I think once you know who they are you know what kind of job that they would work you would know what kind of people they would associate with you know kind of situations they would get themselves into so yeah. yeah. Where did you get the inspiration for the actual, you know, like plots in the series, setting it in Denver, mostly and all that kind of stuff? Um, well, I wanted to write about where I knew. I just didn't feel like I had the chops to write super big city romance like New York City. I mean, LA is in my book, but I've been to LA. I used One of my jobs used to be headquartered there. So I've been through the airport, I've driven through. So I felt like I had enough, like an idea yeah. of vibe of the city. <laughs> I went to New York City when I was much younger, but I just wanted to write about a place that I could just visualize and that I felt comfortable in. So I picked Denver. And as far as the plots of the actual books, I I listen to a lot of music when I write. Whatever emotions I'm getting from a certain song, as funny as it is, those tend to inspire the plots. And if I'm listening to a super sad song or super emotional, my plots tend to go like big dramatic. (laughs) Or if I'm feeling with Rewrite the Rules, I was listening to just a lot of op, like top 100 songs, which is I think why Addy came out to be so bubbly. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. Yeah, someone was saying that. They were like, if you ever want to write a book, just like listen to your favorite song and then like write a story from that. And I was like, that is Seriously. really good advice. Yeah. 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 It works. It definitely works. Yeah. It's really cool. I love that. <laughs> and it's fun when you like listen to a bunch of different genres and it gives you that, you know, different personalities and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I genuinely yeah. love everything. I don't listen to a ton of like death metal. That's probably the only thing that I don't do. But outside of that, seriously, I love country just as much as I love R&B. I, I listen to everything. I love that. Oh, same. (laughs) That's how I feel about reading as well. I'm like any genre, honestly, all of them, except for maybe like depends on the day nonfiction, but I'll still listen to it in an audiobook. but I pretty Mm -hmm. much read everything. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. It's good to experience everything. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta mix it up a little bit, I think. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your covers. I am obsessed with your discrete covers. I know we talked about this a little in the TikTok live, but what made you decide to do like a discrete and, you know, the kind of full person cover? Where did you get the inspiration for, you know, the different color schemes and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I had an original cover, which I, I loved. I think, I think we've decided to officially finish uh, that 
style for all of the books in later and sell it as a anniversary edition or a special edition. But mostly I could not decide between model and discreet. And I did some market research and I was asking readers, Hey, what do you guys want? What do you guys want? And it just was split. You have just as many people who are like discreet covers. Tell me nothing about the book. I don't know, you know, (laughs) what it's about. And then you have people who are like, Oh my God, I never want to see models on my cover. So it's like, okay, can you guys come to a general consensus though? Like what's, yeah, what's one. popular? <laughs> and it was just 50, 50. And so I decided to do both. And my cover artist was like, okay, let's just have two different vibes because if people are going to go through the entire series, they're going to probably want to own one set. So how do we make them different? So it doesn't feel like they can be interchangeable and just swapped. So we went with just a really kind of dreamy, light, airy feel for the discrete covers. And then we put the models on, you know, the model cover and we're like, let's have it be more bold and more dramatic. That way we're also giving people kind of this appeal, like, hey, if you're really into it, own both. They're different vibes. They're totally different vibes on your shelf. So as far as the different colors, that was just decided based on the the cityscape of Denver we we started with for the (laughs) (laughs) So this it. fourth book, my cover artist was like a miracle worker. The the work she put into that, the cityscape is pasted onto a totally different background. She put in the stars. She, I mean, she just did an incredible job. So yeah, I love the green. It's so like pronounced. It's, it looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She did a great job. We're happy with it. Yeah. I love them. I'm every time I like, look at them, I just leave them on my shelf. I'm like staring at them right now. I'm like, they're so pretty. <laughs> And I love colors too. And I, I know a lot of the black and white photos and stuff are in right now, but mm-hmm. to me, I, I just get joy from color. So I was like, let's, let's roll with that. Yeah. The rainbow shells are a vibe. So like, go for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're all very into that. Yes. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so you have some exciting news about this whole series and them potentially being in an audiobook. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yes, they were just acquired by Tantor Media. So they they acquired all five books. So it is my assumption that will be going in order. From my understanding, they move pretty fast. And from my experience thus far, they're a fantastic production company to work with. So I'm super excited. Next stages are are going through some narrators and, and looking at who's available and making final choices. But it's just, I, I can't believe these books are going to be put on audio because I, I wanted to do it myself eventually. There is such a huge market for audiobooks, and I love audiobooks too. Like when I'm ready, when I'm between manuscripts and I'm ready to dive into Akatar, it will be through audiobooks <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, that's yeah. a it's a big one, and I have toddlers, so if I can just be listening to something as I'm multitasking, that's phenomenal. Yeah. So I always wanted to do that, but wrangling in narrators and figuring out equipment, and then figuring out like how to upload, and the it was just overwhelming. So the fact that Tantor is taking over, I'm, I'm super thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. So hope I I'm, I'm assuming, like I said, they'll, they'll be released pretty quickly. So hopefully I have more information soon, but I'm, I'm assuming we're going to hear some stuff in the next few months. So that's so exciting. I am definitely an audiobook early. So when you said that, Yay! I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm very ready. Yeah. It's crazy how much like the audio, I think audiobooks have really taken off in the last like three to five years. And like with Hoopla and Libby and like Audible and all those sorts of things, like there's so much more accessibility. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because I think we just as readers are like, oh, everything is an audio. And it's like, but when you get these, you know, indie books and they're not traditionally published and there's not, you know, you guys have to market that and research it yourself. And it's like, I never even really thought about that. And that's like my bad. 
but I was talking to someone else and they were like, yeah, I have to like produce it myself and like figure it out. And I was like, that is wild to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just the steps you would go through to get a book to publish ready, like with an editor and formatting and cover art, it's the same. It's similar with an audio book. And I, I just, when you rapid release, there are some authors who do a great job and they're releasing about one, one book a year. I'm producing about one book every two to three months and it's yeah. exhausting. So I'm like, I, I can't take that on top of it, but yeah, audiobooks I think are fantastic right now because people are busy. People have to multitask. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's a good time to, to kind of get involved. Absolutely. So. I firmly stand by the like one ebook, one physical book and one audiobook at all times. <laughs> so I definitely am an audiobook early. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. the way to do it. You know, you got to like mix it up, give you a little variety. If yeah. you're reading one and you have to read it very quickly, one in the whole book in every format also works. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the tricky thing about audiobook too, though, is it, it's almost like seeing a book become a movie where you're mm -hmm. like, oh, all this, all this drama going on about that very popular book that's becoming a movie right now. You know, the yeah. one I'm talking about. I was like, <laughs> Whoa, people are intent. They get so passionate about yeah. the characters. If it doesn't fit their vision, it's like, whoa. So I think there can be a touch of that with audio. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they pick good narrators, but I think they're going to involve me in the process too, which is pretty cool. So. That's really awesome. Yeah. I think an audio, like the narrator makes a huge difference too, mm -hmm. of like whether or not you get into it. And like, I don't think this is as common in romance, but like a lot of times in fantasy, you get a lot of the same narrators for things and I, I have a hard time like switching over. So I think, oh, romance, yeah. yeah, it's like, I just imagined you as like that character I listened to three books ago, but we're getting into it. <laughs> one thing that's awesome about fantasy and maybe it's all narrators, but my husband listens to a lot of fantasy, mm -hmm. uh, not fantasy romance, but fantasy. And he, the narrators, I, I mean, they do all the voices. There's, there's yeah. probably like 20 different characters in this big old fantasy book and one narrator or one or yeah. two are doing all the voices. I'm like, you guys are so talented. That is amazing. <laughs> I think oh, romance does it a lot too. I, like they'll yeah. change the tones a little bit and stuff like that. But yeah, I definitely notice it a lot more in fantasy for yeah. sure. But yeah, yeah I, I love me a good romance on audio. I think that's the way to do it. <laughs> well, they're coming your way. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. So let's talk a little bit about Singing Your Secrets, the launch. It's been about a month since it came out. So how has that launch been for you? You know, what's that been like and fun has it been to have part of the rest of the series come out? It's been great. I feel like, I feel like I've gotten my, mm, it's a double-edged sword. It's bittersweet because on one hand, I feel like I've gotten my sea legs. There are certain elements of a launch that used to really get to me that don't anymore. So I feel like there's growth as an author, but the more you know what you're doing, sort of, I'll never say I know what I'm doing, but <laughs> Um, the more comfortable you are with certain things, then it's time to kind of up your game or elevate your game. And so that's always stressful. It's kind of like just mastering how to walk. And now you're like, all right, it's time to run. So that process can be quite daunting. But as far as writing goes, I am far more comfortable with with my process and and knowing my bandwidth. So that's been great. The Senior Secrets, I, I was super pleased the initial response from readers. Um, the toughest thing about a series is, especially when by now everybody's invested in the characters, you just don't mm -hmm. want to let them down. So I wanted to make sure I was giving something original, fresh, and I wasn't letting the readers down based on their expectations they had for this character. But, you know, I didn't want them to feel like they were reading the same book all over again. I wanted to keep it like different. So I think that went my way and I was really pleased with that. As far as the actual launch, there 
there's still some stuff to be done. It's kind of weird when I first launched a book, I thought it was okay after release date and then the next few days after it's it's kind of done. It's over. Like you move on to the next project. No, that's, that's not how a launch goes. There's a lot of backend work that you have to do as far as continuing to kind of like, you know, get that going. And then going from the, my next release, not being part of the series, but being my standalone, that has been a really difficult mindset switch for me. So I'm just trying to keep up momentum for all projects. Yeah. It's, I bet it's exhausting. (laughs) It is. It is. It's definitely the chaos in my mind. It was so weird to write, write a book without my main girls in it. Yeah. You're like, I've been invested in you for a while and here we are. I got to move on. (laughs) Yes. And then it's hard in this kind of standalone to tell myself like, Hey, you don't, you don't have to be so careful about like diving into too many details of these secondary characters. Cause they're not getting their own books. And then my mind starts wandering. I'm like, Ooh, then maybe they could get, no bad K stop it. This is a standalone. But maybe. <laughs> maybe. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, if I ever run out of ideas, I'm going back to this one. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, and the readers will tell you too, like if they want spinoffs, if they get attached to certain characters and there's potential there, I'll keep that door open. But in, in, you know, that particular book, I made it very clear about the people we like and the people we don't like. So (laughs) yeah, I love that. So speaking of, let's talk a little bit about your next book. Can you give us like a spoiler-free synopsis about Camera Shy and everything that's going to be coming with that? Yeah. So Camera Shy is by far the spiciest thing I've ever written. I just kind of wanted to like test my limits, pun intended. And now I'm kidding. (laughs) I just wanted to, to see what I was or wasn't comfortable writing as an author. So I really kind of like push myself to the brink there. But it's essentially about a woman who turns on her 30th birthday. She thinks she is getting a proposal proposal from her long-term boyfriend. Instead, they end up breaking up and it's very jarring for her. She ends up moving to Las Vegas to take care of a client's house for the summer. And uh, her new neighbor is a boudoir photographer whose business is kind of going under. So they come up with an agreement. She She's a little bit, not inexperienced per se, but she feels like she's a little bit bland in the bedroom and, and he is not. And she has expertise. She's a brand strategist. So she helps companies rebrand, strategize, market, and he needs some help with his business. So a deal is struck. And that is how she spends her summer. So <laughs> love that. I'm, I'm so excited about this one. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, the, the things I love about this story the most is I wanted to write, so it's the curvy female main character, but some of the, and I won't say issues because I, I never want to like dog another author's work. I don't think it's an issue, but it's just a common theme that I've seen done over and over and over again is we see a more shy, like insecure female character about, you know, her weight or her body or whatever. Yeah, I wanted to write a character who was a little bit more like, hey, this is who I am. I don't have a problem with it, but it seems like the world has a problem with it. How am I going to bridge this gap? How how do I find my confidence in a world that is telling me what I should or shouldn't look like? Yeah. And it's very much a story of the people who you surround yourself with are going to make up a big part of how you see yourself. So it's about finding your confidence based on who you choose to be your friends and who you choose to associate with. And so it's, it's a very female empowerment, self-confidence story. Yeah. I love that. I'm very excited. We love a curvy man character and yes. female empowerment. <laughs> yeah. And I agree. I think it's, I did read one like that, but I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it isn't like, I agree. It's a very common theme for it to sort of be like, how can I be smaller for the world? And like, how can I be smaller for the people around me, both right. like as a personality and a person and, it's like, yeah, I think we're, we need to be past that. And it's really cool to 
No, that you're writing that. Yeah. Yeah. The goal is to be happy with yourself, not to make somebody else happy. And I think that's more of a narrative that we need to push. And I I do think that especially romance authors, it's kind of scary to say, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I really hope no one under 18 is reading my books, but what can you do? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's scary to kind of think about, hey, you are becoming part of the the culture. You are speaking to people. You never know the impact you're going to have on maybe young women or or be careful about the lessons that you're teaching is, yeah. is kind of what I try to keep in my mind. So absolutely. I love that. And yeah, hopefully no one under 18 is listening to this either, but <laughs> it's so oh, man. Like, I was a rebellious teen, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was into some, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We were talking about this the other day. I was like, what kind of fanfic did you read when you were a kid? Cause that's really dicey. And I think that shows who we all are now. (laughs) I still remember being in like, I think I was in high school. I think it was like ninth or 10th grade when twilight was all the rage. And we were like, Oh my God, twilight's so saucy. (laughs) Now look at us. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Same, same. Can you tell us a little bit about what your journey has been like as an author in the age of the bookish interwebs and kind of growing your following and your connection with your readers and that kind of thing? What's that been like for you? Yeah. So that's been a major mindset switch for me. And, you know, hopefully if there's any other authors listening to this, it it can be maybe helpful advice, but social media causes me a ton of anxiety. It's not, it's not my favorite thing to do, but I like the result of it. I love meeting readers. I love making those connections. I like people. I don't necessarily like the interface, which can be very, very daunting because it's, it's like throwing a net into the middle of the ocean. You have no idea what you're going to catch. So a lot of people tell you, Hey, like thicken your skin, thicken your skin. I don't love that philosophy. I think you have to stay vulnerable in order to be an author. And I think, I don't know where we switched lanes and we said it's not cool or it's not okay to be sensitive or to be like hurt. But when someone does or says something mean, it's hurtful. Like, I don't know yeah. if we're trying to hide that. It's true. But I think just keeping a strong sense of self mm-hmm. um, throughout your social media presence. So when you post or when you're sharing something, just try to stay focused on who you're talking to, whether those are your friends or your close followers and not worrying so much about like the kind of white noise out there because you're never going to be able to control it. I'm a very organized control freak type of person, which is why social media doesn't do well for me. (laughs) Like trying to play the TikTok algorithm. (laughs) Yeah. Never heard of her. Not to quote Taylor Swift, but haters going to hate, hate, hate. And like, yeah, there's not a lot you could do about it. And at the same time, I think TikTok might be a hater. (laughs) Sometimes. Well, and it's frustrating. And I, listen, I will always be grateful for social media, but it's rented space. It is not your space. There is a purpose to their platform that we still don't 100% know, but it's, it's been an opportunity. Does not mean the opportunity was built to benefit us specifically. We are renting space there. So it just really say philosophy. do social media in a way that makes makes it fun for mm-hmm. you. If you want to post a silly video, make sure that you're getting joy out of it and not really have expectations. Because for me, when I was using social media as like a return on investment type of thing, that is when I got really sad and I got really down and I was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. So now I don't worry about who's unfollowing. I don't worry about likes or views as much. I'm more focused on how do I say something that might help somebody? How do I use this opportunity to tell people who I am? Because I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not a super, I don't do hot takes. I'm just here yeah. to love everybody and be kind to everybody. So Absolutely. I'm like, let's just 
share more of that in the world. So. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think like, it's really hard to kind of balance between, you know, being on author talk versus book talk and kind of engaging with your readers and like creating that content. And that's really great advice to like do things that bring you joy. And I think it's okay to not have to jump in on every conversation and like have something to say and just talk about the things that like make you happy, which are the books you write. And that's the point. And that's kind of how I stumbled upon you was, I think you were just, it was like a, you were talking about the new discrete covers or like one of your new ones had come out and you had done both. And I was like, these are so cool. And I think that's like the point, you know, it's, it's to like stumble upon, not because you were like, this is something and I'm just shouting it from the rooftops. It's like, I'm, I'm sharing about something I'm really passionate about. And yeah, that's how people find or the right people find you, I should say. Yeah. And I, you know, right now, one thing I don't love about the platform, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it's, Mm -hmm. it definitely pushes polarized content. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen a lot of people get very opinionated on things and you can tell that it's more just to get views. And I'm like, listen, views are great. Followers are great, but what are you doing with them? Because once you put something out on the internet, it's there, you know, deleting a video doesn't cut it anymore. I mean, Mm -hmm. these really tough conversations we're having, like right now, I think it's about the dilemma with arcs and it's the dilemma with different publishers and, and marketing boxes and, and all of this other stuff that people get very, very opinionated on that is cultivating your, your online presence and your personality. And I think that depending on who you are or how you're presenting yourself, that's the energy you're going to attract. Yeah. So just make sure what you're putting out, you're prepared to get back. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like my most unhinged on TikTok, but like in a funny way. And I definitely never sure. join in on those conversations. No. <laughs> like you guys do. No, and I, <laughs> I think about it. I, I definitely wish I could kind of like speak up about the art mm-hmm. conversation because I, I have some opinions, none of them aggressive. I think sometimes we get into these conversations and we forget there's people on both sides, you know, that we're not just authors and readers. We are human beings. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. So, yeah. And this industry is definitely like very fluid. I've kind of discovered recently is like, I don't want to say it's like a lot of amateurs, but it's a lot of people who are like, I have these skills from a different industry and I'm bringing it in here. And no Mm -hmm. one has like a very strong foothold. I think that's a big thing too, is like a lot of us are really inexperienced in what we're doing in this industry, but we might have a ton of experience outside. So it doesn't always like translate well. And I think that like, we're all kind of stumbling through together. So it's better to be nicer to each other because we're all trying to figure it out at the same time. And I feel like I've discovered a lot of that. Like everyone is so that I've, you know, interact with is so nice and kind and like supportive. And they understand that like, there are little things that are going to go wrong or like, I'm not going to be as consistent with content. And like, I'm always going to be there, you know, to support you and engage and stuff like that. But I might not necessarily see your post every time or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Right. And it can't, once, once it's another job, it just becomes so, it just becomes a source of pain instead of yeah. this place of enjoyment. And I think that's the goal to try and avoid. And I, I think working at social media, like you have some type of control over the outcome is going mm-hmm. to drive people crazy. It is going yeah. to drive people right into the ground. You're, it, it, to me, like I can tell on a day where I've spent more time doing social media than I've spent on my passion on writing or on, you know, something else. I, it's like my flame gets snuffed a little bit. So you have to be careful because once the flame goes out, it's a lot to rekindle it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Very fair. Speaking of that, do you have any advice for any aspiring authors? Yeah, I, I would say so much advice of things to not do that I've done wrong. But I would say the number one thing is just be like, do your research. And by do your research, I don't mean you have to be on Google all day, every day, looking up 
you know, stats, but I'm talking about this is an industry. It's quite interesting. So, so like I said, I've, I've come from very corporate backgrounds or if someone's a subject matter expert, it's because they've had decades of experience. This is the one industry where you can be very good at something with very little experience because everybody's journey is different. There are authors who have written 20 books, 20 books on their backlist before they finally get a little bit of publicity with one, and then they take off. There are some authors who just hit publish, and then the next day they're bestsellers. There is no like true rhyme and their best practices, but there's no one size fits all. So what I did out the gates, I tried to find the people who had, you know, the the most credentials or the most experience. And I took their word as law Mm -hmm. and that did not go well for me. So whatever question you're asking, whether it's about editing, whether it's about publishing or what kind of cover, how to do your formatting or whatever, ask at least three people. Like don't make decisions based off of one conversation. Do do your due diligence to ask multiple authors, editors, whatever the case may be, and formulate your own opinion and make sure that throughout this process, you're, you're staying true to what makes sense to you. So yeah, I like that. That's good advice. <laughs> I get really passionate about it because I just, I don't know, I let a lot of people early on in my career tell me what I could or couldn't do. And now I'm sitting back and I'm like, wait, I'm the only one who's like bearing the consequences. I should have made those decisions. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to kind of get swept up in that and be like, you're an expert. So Mm -hmm. this has to work. Right. And kind of letting yourself, yeah, make those decisions that way. Yeah. So leverage your resources. There's out there, out there, there's so many people willing to help. Yeah. Um, you just have to ask, you have to be brave enough to ask. Yeah. That's a, that's another one. Definitely. I love that. (laughs) So what's kind of the schedule for you as far as releases go for the rest of the year or like the next couple months, if you don't have like set in stone, but what's your schedule look like for the next Yeah. So camera shy is set for July 27th. After that, our set date for first comes forever, which will finish up the love me in the three Oh three series right now. It's end of August, but if I'm being really honest and I haven't really said this openly yet, we might be looking at the like first week of September, maybe the second, just because, um, more of marketing than the actual completion of the manuscript, just because it's so close together. And then after that, it will be the launch of a brand new series, my Paladin series, which is my romantic suspense series. We haven't finalized a date for that, but it's either going to be October is spooky month, man. I'm trying yeah. to avoid it. Whistleblower is, I wouldn't say it's a dark romance. It's a dark-ish romance. Yeah. It's a gray um, romance. But I, yeah. <laughs> shadowy, if you will. <laughs> yes, that is perfect. It's shadowy. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if I really want to put it in the mix for a lot of the darker stuff coming out in October. So mm-hmm. We're thinking about uh, first week of November that will release. And then I will be releasing a Christmas novella. It will basically be Paint Me Perfect Part 2. So that will be out in December. I'm dying inside. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to go spend more time with Chase and Noah. (laughs) Yeah, I cannot wait. (laughs) I'm so excited for all the things you have coming out. And I love that there's like a variety of things. So it's like a little bit for everyone in the Love Me in the 303 series with the tropes. And then, you know, you're kind of experimenting. And I think that that's amazing. And like, you have so much stuff coming out this year. Yes. You know, and a lot of people have said that to me, like, oh, you're just trying different things to um, see what lands. And I'm like, no, my brain is just, that's how it works. I just have this much information living in here. <laughs> yeah, I have to get it out before I go crazy. So, but you know, I told myself and I, I get that advice all the time. Find your niche, stay in your niche. If I'm not 
if I'm not passionate about writing it, Mm -hmm. how in the world could I expect a reader to spend their precious time on me? So I'm going to write whatever brings out my best story. And whether that's romantic suspense, whether it's fantasy. I mean, if I ever dipped into fantasy, I'd probably do a different pen. I don't want to confuse people too much, but anything in the realm of contemporary, whether it's romantic suspense or just, you know, more city-based stuff or whatever, I, it's, I'm going to keep that door open. I'm going to write. Yeah. We all read different types of romance. So I feel like romance in general, as long as you're staying in that, it, it's fair yeah. game. Yeah. The day totally I write bad. a, the day I write like a, I don't what else is out there besides romance? I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> You're like the day I write a actual thriller, uh, then we'll talk. <laughs> well, you know, I think I forget. Oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. I forget who said it, but there was like a really, really famous author out there. It's like every single book has some sort of element of love in it, whether yeah. it's, and I think most of them do lead towards romantic because it's in our, it's in our biology, most people. And I don't want to speak for everybody, but in our biology is, is we want to connect, you know, mm-hmm. in that way. And I, I think romance is the most obvious way to express that. So I, I think the elements that, you know, people are even talking about uh, like, well, Lord of the Rings isn't romance. Do you know how much romance is in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> You know how much like, romance is in Lord of the Rings? Like, <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so many, there, romance is a heavy element in all of these yeah. stories because it's what people are attracted to. So, yeah. yeah. I was talking the other day with someone about how, like, what the definition of romanticy versus, like, fantasy romance or just, like, high fantasy and, like, how that. And I was like, to me, romanticy, like, she was saying to her, romanticy is, like, romantic fantasy, like, it's just kind of a, oh, there's like relationships in there. It's really fun. There's a little bit of that versus like fantasy romance is like, you know, the smutty, very heavy, like they're fae, but like lots of smut. And I was like, oh, oh. I would have, I would have done that reversed. Okay. Same. That's, no, that's good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And I was like, but I think every story has like a little bit of romance in it. So for me, like fantasy romance would be like Lord of the Rings, right? Like mm-hmm. it's fantasy and there's like a little bit of romance. But like, I guess that would be romanticy. And I was like, I don't understand. But literally every single story, even like space fighting that the series that I love has romance in it. So yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You should see, you know, me and my husband watch The Witcher together because there are parts where he leans in and there's yeah. parts where I lean in. <laughs> the parts where I'm leaning in, he's like, I'm gonna go make some popcorn. <laughs> They're finally together. Guess what's going to happen? Every single one has, every (laughs) single thing has romance in it. And then someone was like, oh, Game of Thrones. And I was like, let me tell you about six different relationships in that series. Are you kidding me? Game of Thrones is mostly, I mean, it's, it's devious romance, but it's so much romance. Yeah. I was like, fight me on that. (laughs) Every book has romance. Dragon romance. (laughs) Yes. It's, it's romance, something, something romance. Like it's always in there. Even thrillers have romance. I tell you that right now. (laughs) 100%. 100%. So yeah, it's it's a good place. It's a good time right now to be creative. People's minds are so open. And while there's a lot of people who are who are very opinionated about things, I do appreciate there are things to be opinionated about. So it's it's a cool time to be creative. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fun. Like we're kind of coming off the pandemic too. So everyone is like getting back out there and realizing like what they actually are passionate about. And they're not just like making sourdough bread anymore. They're like really diving in. (laughs) I keep, you know, I made the mistake lately I've been using social media a little bit more for just like project stuff. And I made the mistake of watching a couple of people paint sourdough bread, which I did not know was a thing. And now my entire feed Ah, is like painted bread. And I'm like, Oh, if I would stop watching it, it would stop popping up, but I keep watching. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Someone was telling me they were in uh, like lemon bake 
TikTok the other day and I was like, excuse me, like lemon bread and like lemon tarts and all those things. And I was like, like, it gets that focused. Oh my God. It's like, it's bread and then lemon is the subgenre. Yeah. I was like, that is honestly the nichest thing I've ever heard. Well, there's like water talk. Like that's like a huge thing. And I'm like, I, I don't understand. They like flavor their water. Yeah. Water talk. Look it up. It's terrifying. Don't ever go down that rabbit hole. No, I can't. My feet will be so screwed up. I'll never see another book again. Yeah, absolutely. Every time it's anything else, I'm like, all right, I got to scroll. I got to scroll. Mine for a while was like uh Germany fanfic and like Disney and the occasional book. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I got, I got lost in Panda talk for a while and I almost did. I didn't want to leave. Panda yeah, talk you, was great. You shouldn't leave. Yeah. yeah I, apparently that's a job. And I'm like, wow, if I, if the author thing doesn't work out, I'm going to go, you know, see if I can just play with baby pandas all day because yeah, that, that sounds seems... lovely yeah I'd be yeah fun. they're pretty mischievous but yeah. i don't see him watch panda videos tonight and screw the algorithm it's really. listening so you'll be getting some don't worry <laughs> <laughs> probably um, and some lemon bread i'll take yeah, it that, that's coming up next so do you have any other like interviews scheduled any tiktok lives any like signings tours anything like that coming up um so right now i'm i'm, I'm trying to chill i'm pretty fatigued <laughs> right now trying to wrap up this manuscript and then I've got so the cool thing I did is I I placed all of my writing at the first half of the year so the second half of the year for me is mostly just going to be like planning and then marketing I will be signing at Readers Take Denver next year yes I am super excited excited about that I don't I I'm trying about once every six weeks to do lives in my Facebook group and the Mm -hmm. reason why I keep those specifically in my Facebook group is because oftentimes I will do a reading from an unpublished book last time I actually read a good like two pages from whistleblower and I I, sometimes I I read some of the more risque scenes so I'm like we're gonna keep that we're gonna keep that yeah yeah yeah. not safe for work so not safe (laughs) for TikTok (laughs) Um, so I'll announce that again because people do like to hop in and and hear those and kind of get the inside scoop which I like to do for my reader group but outside of that nothing planned yet but with with camera shy coming up, we'll we'll see. That's kind of taken a life of its own, and I'm so excited to see where we will go with it. So I'm so excited too. Cool, awesome. I love that. My last question is: Where can everybody find you on the internet? The the bookish interwebs. The internet. Yeah. Group. So I am. My website is a good place to go. So kcove.com, and then I am on Instagram. I am on TikTok. If you want to see me act goofy, and then my reader group. If you, if you want information, if you want the inside scoop, my reader group is the best place to go for that. I mean, if you go to any of my socials, it, it's usually linked to my reader group. Where the I think it's kcove yeah. sweet heat readers. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I had so much fun. Did you have any other questions or anything else you wanted no, to share? No, no. That's all I've got. This was so much fun. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you aren't following us, go ahead and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you guys again for all of your support. Have a great day.